Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome inside another edition of Bengals Barn. While this is a hockey podcast, I do have to take a minute here as we begin today to observe Red October. As a Philadelphia Phillies fan myself, with the World Series getting underway here tonight on Friday, 8.03 first pitch, Phillies-Astros. You know, I had to take a minute here to talk about that. You know, this has been the storyline that's dominated the sports world the last couple weeks. The Phillies have been just on an improbable run. I think one that nobody really expected, even if you're a Phillies fan, um, you know, just didn't really see coming. This is a team that's you know, kind of underachieved the last couple years and kind of had all those big, big pieces, the Bryce Harpers, the Kyle Schwarbers, the Nick Castellanos, the, you know, all these big names in this lineup and just kind of seemed like could never put it together. And finally, everything clicked this postseason. It's been chock full with amazing moments. From Bryce Harper's home run in the NLCS that put them ahead in the in in the late innings to lift them to the World Series to you know Ranger Suarez getting the final out in the ninth inning to put a stamp on their ticket to the World Series to the rally against the St. Louis Cardinals in the wild card. It's just been a lot of fun to watch, and it's just been. An amazing ride, no matter how far it goes. Obviously, Philadelphia wants it to result in a World Series. And, you know, even if that were to not happen, it's still been a fun month of baseball. It's fun to see this team that is such a likable group, you know, make this kind of a run. And, you know, obviously, even if it doesn't happen, you know there's great hope for the future. But, you know... Personally, I really think that they have a chance to get this done. I mean, obviously, the Houston Astros are the favorite for a reason. I mean, they're a phenomenal team. They have a great pitching staff, a phenomenal lineup, you know, a solid bullpen. Just up and down, they have a phenomenal roster, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a series that I think is going to go six or seven games. I really do. And it's going to be difficult, and I think... The Astros in those big spots, they're not going to pitch to Bryce Harper as much as some of these other teams throughout the National League playoffs did uh, when they were facing the Phillies. So it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out. My official prediction is I will say the Phillies win it in six. I don't even think it's being a homer. I just think they have so much momentum. I think they're going to take one in Houston and just how well they're playing at home, I think really bodes in the Phillies' favor. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they took game one just because Justin Verlander's track record in the World Series is not great. Um, I believe he has a over five career ERA in World Series games. So he's, you know, hasn't pitched phenomenally in that, in that on the big stage. So, you know, I think that the Phillies can definitely do this, but it's going to be, it's going to be really tough, and it's going to be a great series. And, you know, as a fan, whether you're a fan of either of these teams or just a fan of baseball, just sit back and enjoy a great series. And that's really, um, I think that's, as sports fans, all you can really hope for is to get a phenomenal series. And, you know, you know, 
see two great teams go at it, and I think that's what we're getting this year. So it's awesome. Um, I'm fortunate enough. I'm going to be going to game four in Philly, so I'm very excited about that. It's going to be a ton of fun. The atmosphere is going to be ridiculous. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. It's going to be a blast to be in the stands just experiencing that and, you know, kind of being taking my journalist hat off for 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 a couple hours and, you know, being amongst the fans and just cheering for this team. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, let's shift our focus on to why everybody's here. And that, of course, is hockey. Got a lot going on in the NHL, as always. Let's get right to it with, uh, we had a big return in the NHL on Thursday night with Brad Marchand making his season debut for the Boston Bruins. Uh, During the offseason, Marchand underwent double hip surgery and was expected to miss at least the first two months of the season out till around Thanksgiving, give or take, but he was ahead of schedule and made his debut on Thursday against the Detroit Red Wings. And he burst out in just about the biggest way possible. You couldn't ask for a better debut than what he had. Had two goals and an assist. Four shots on goal. 17-31 of ice time. And the Bruins just steamrolled the Red Wings 5-1 to one on Thursday. And just looked terrific. Um... Marshawn uh, got his first goal in the second period. Uh, the Bruins had, you know, kind of a great offensive puck possession in the offensive zone. Were able to move the puck around, and eventually Hampus Lindholm got the puck and was able to get it to Marshawn on the strong side, and he just uh, was able to rip one past uh, Ville Husso over his glove side shoulder, and it was just a beautiful shot. Just kind of the the Marshawn that we've grown accustomed to seeing. It was a really nice goal. Uh, David Pasternak also on the assist there on that play. Who uh, Pasternak also had a three-point night. Um, it was the 19th time that uh, Marshawn and Pasternak have had three-point games on the same night throughout their careers, which is uh, pretty insane. Um Marshawn's second goal came on the power play. He was able to get a rebound off of of a Pasternak shot and deposit that in the back of the net with him and Jake DeBrusque right in front of the net there. So the Bruins were very aggressive in this one. You know, um, their offensive attack was almost relentless. And, you know, it was a game in the early going that Detroit was in. So if you look at the box score, you see 5-1. to one, You're like, oh, well, you know, Detroit was never really in this one. But that wasn't really the case in the first period. Um, Detroit was, they came out extremely, extremely aggressive, really. Um, and were really peppering with uh, Jeremy Swayman, Bruins goaltender, with a ton of shots. I believe at 12 shots in the first period. And... You know, we really had a ton of quality chances. Swayman had to make a few very, very tough saves. And I have to imagine that was their game plan coming in because Swayman, this was only his third start of the year and he hadn't really been all that impressive so far. Um, It was really his first good quality start. 
uh, stopped 20 of the 29 shots that he faced. Um, but he, you know, in previous games, even with this one in tow, like his goals against average still sits at 3.76. Uh, I believe he had allowed five goals in one outing and three in the other. I believe it was of the stats right in front of me, but, um, so the Red Wings obviously had that game plan to, you know, get shots on him early on and they did that. And, you know, it was a game where in the early going, it could have gone either way, but then the Bruins almost as though they just stepped on the Red Wings throat and just opened this one up, just looked phenomenal. Um, Marshawn was just, you know, no rust whatsoever. It wasn't as though, you know, he didn't play limited minutes, you know, um, you know, 17 minutes of ice time is, you know, a very, very healthy chunk for a forward. It's not like he was just on there for, you know, eight or nine minutes and that was it. They didn't ease him in. Uh, I mean, they are easing him in to some extent because um, uh, yesterday before the game, uh, yesterday after practice, they had said, uh, Coach Jim Montgomery had said that when he announced that Marshawn was going to play, he did make it clear that he wasn't going to be playing in back-to-back games, which is the scenario that we have today because the Bruins face the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday here tonight. So obviously he won't be playing tonight. So they are easing him in in a way. Um, but as far as last night, you know, Marshawn didn't show any rust, played a lot of played a lot of um time on the ice and you know looked like himself which was which was great to see and it's also kind of crazy to think about but Marshawn missing the first seven games of the year the Bruins have been unstoppable out of the gate I mean now they've opened the season on a six game home winning streak for just the fourth time in franchise history uh it's something that they haven't done since uh the 1983-84 season where they started off uh, with an eight-game home winning streak, they also did it in seventy-six, seventy-seven, and eighty-five, eighty-six, where they also started off six and zero. And you know, this is a team that you know kind of has relied on the veterans um, coming back into this year. You know, re-signing Patrice Bergeron, bringing back David Krejci after he spent a year overseas, and. You know, those vets have come up huge for this team. You know, they've also gotten great gold sending from Linus Allmark, who has gotten the majority of the starts in net you know, out of the gate. He's been, uh, he's got a 5-0 and record, 2.01 goals against, 0.936 save percentage. He's been, he's been phenomenal in net. So everything has really been clicking for the Bruins and, They've been one of the best teams in the league, if not the best out of the gate. I'd probably say if I had to pick one team in each conference, that's probably, you know, the <clears throat> maybe, I don't know about biggest surprise or just best overall. I'd probably even say best overall team. I'd probably say either Boston or Pittsburgh in the East. And then I would say uh, probably Vegas out West. But 
Boston's just been, they've been really consistent. And, you know, I just didn't think they'd be this good without Marshawn. And then if Marshawn just jumps back out and is playing at this level, this elite level that we've grown accustomed to seeing, if he can, you know, rein it in, obviously the really the only issue with him has always been, you know, getting himself into extracurriculars and, um, you know, once in a while he'll draw a suspension or, you know, those kind of penalties where he, you know, gets into stuff that he shouldn't. But if he's able to stay, you know, stay upright, stay clean, stay, you know, playing just sound hockey and just playing within his role, this team is going to be extremely dangerous in the East. And, you know, I don't think that's something including that many people, including myself, maybe would have accounted for. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, if the Bruins can keep this up. Um, the only negative coming out of Thursday's game was that David Krejci did get hit with a high stick by Red Wings defenseman Michael Rasmussen. Uh, Rasmussen actually has a phone hearing today with the NHL's Department of Player Safety. Uh, as far as I've seen, they haven't announced whether um, he's going to receive any discipline for that. Um, but Jim Montgomery, Bruins head coach, has said that Krejci won't play tonight against the Blue Jackets. So we'll see if he's going to be out for any length of time. But he left the game last night and did not return. So something to keep an eye on for sure as we um, come into the weekend here. Uh, moving on to the next piece of news, a ironically enough, a former Bruin, uh, Vegas Golden Knights forward Phil Kessel is now NHL's Iron Man. Uh, on Tuesday night, in a 4-2 win over the San Jose Sharks, Phil Kessel broke the NHL record for consecutive games played as he played in his 990th consecutive game. Uh, coming into that game the night before against the Toronto Maple Leafs, he had tied uh, Keith Yandel's record, which was 989. Obviously, he had set that, uh, Yandel had set that record last year when he, um, he had actually broken the record last year when he broke Doug Jarvis's record in January of 2022 when he was with the Flyers. Um, took it up to 965 before, um, or 989 rather, last April, and then the Flyers listed him as a healthy scratch in early April in a game um, because they were playing uh, a lot of their younger defensemen, trying to see what they have since they were a struggling team at that time. So Yandel Street came to an end at that point. Um, Kessel came into this year with 982 consecutive games played, and his streak started back on November 3rd, 2009, when he was with the Maple Leafs. And then on the prior night, when Kessel tied the consecutive games played record, he thought he had scored his 400th career goal against the Maple Leafs, but the goal was eventually disallowed because it was the play was offside, so he didn't score his 400th career goal. But it actually turned out to be very poetic because... On Tuesday, on the same night that he becomes the NHL, the NHL's new Ironman, sets the new record, 
He scores his 400th career goal, uh, gets the puck from teammate Brett Howden, roars all the way down the ice on the break, and lifts a shot over Sharks goalie James Reimer's shoulder and scores his 400th career goal. So pretty awesome moment. You know, sets the record, gets his 400th career goal. The Golden Knights also come out, up with a 4-2 win in that one and, you know, race out to a 6-2-0 record on the year and have been one of the better teams in the entire league right out of the gate here in the first couple weeks. So an all-around phenomenal moment for Phil Kessel, guy that's you know won, won two Stanley Cups in the past with the Pittsburgh Penguins. A guy that, you know, you know, just he's he's kind of one of those glue guys. He wasn't he's kind of always been like a a fringe star. Wasn't necessarily like he's not a Sidney Crosby S player, but he's a guy you need on your team to help get you over the top to get you those Stanley Cups. Like the Penguins don't win those cups without Phil Kessel. They just don't. There's no two ways about that. Um even in the later stages of his career now, um, you know, obviously only has three points on the year so far. I mean, obviously it's early through only eight games, but still, you know, was, is going to be an important piece, I think, for Vegas this year. And his veteran leadership is going to be huge for a team that really wants to get back to the upper echelon of the Western Conference and you know, this was this was just an awesome all-around night for him. And, you know, congratulations to him. And, you know, that moment, you know, had to be an absolute thrill. You know, I saw uh, Cal Ripken Jr. congratulated him, former uh, Baltimore Orioles legend, um, Hall, MLB Hall of Famer, who was baseball's Iron Man. You know, he obviously knows a thing or two about playing a ton of games straight through his congratulations towards Phil Castle. So that's, you know, that was awesome to see as well. So obviously congrats to Phil and, you know, what an awesome career he's had. And, you know, obviously still, still going strong and I'm eager to see what, what he does and what he continues to bring to this Vegas team this year. Um, another thrilling game we got last night was the Edmonton Oilers defeating the Chicago Blackhawks six to five in Probably the craziest game that we've seen so far this year, honestly. Um, Connor McDavid records the hat trick in this one. Uh, three goals and an assist in a 6-5 to five win. You know, I mean, like I said, bef- before the season, you know, you can say that, you know, picking McDavid to win the Hart Trophy, you know, maybe that is chalk and that's just the, that's the easy easy pick and you know a lot of people went that way including myself but there's a reason for it this this dude is unbelievable there's no two ways about it Connor McDavid is absolutely ridiculous there's things that he does just on the ice that you just you can't even fathom sometimes um you know gets a start in the first period puts he draws so much attention and then puts the puck right onto the stick of teammate Zach Hyman. He fires a one-timer uh, past Alex Stalock, and it's one nothing just like that. And that was just obviously the start of the scoring. And then, um, you know, probably the most impressive was the goal in which he got the hat trick. Um, you know, 
Evan Bouchard is able to keep the puck in the zone, finds McDavid on the other side of the ice. McDavid does a little beautiful toe drag move. I mean, he was kind of aided in the fact that uh, Blackhawks D-man Jake McCabe kind of committed a little too early, just kind of rushed right into it to try and um, defend McDavid and kind of you know see if he could knock him off the puck. Kind of went too quick with it, and McDavid capitalized on that, hits him with the toe drag, and then fires it through Stalock's five hole, and that's all she wrote. Hat trick for him. And then um, 37.6 seconds to go. Um, Leon Drysantel wins it on a pretty ridiculous pass from Evander Kane. Feeds... Feeds it right across the slot through a couple sticks right on to the stick of Dry Santo. Wins it with 37.6 seconds to go. And, you know, now the Oilers have won three in a row, including four of their last five after, you know, kind of looking sluggish to start off the year. And, you know, not looking like the team that had went to the Western Conference Final last year and had, you know been kind of the group that is basically running it back with a lot of the same guys and, you know, finally addressed the goaltender position with Jack Campbell. I mean, obviously in this one, goaltending was very optional, but with, with the kind of offense that you had on the ice, um, you all said, you know, Patrick Kane and even Jonathan Taze was, you know, getting involved in the scoring. Um, Nugent Hopkins had a pair of goals for the Oilers, who also had Edmonton had three power play goals on the night, which was also huge. But um, it's just, it looks like Edmonton's starting to find their stride. And, you know, again, you can't overreact three weeks into the season. You just can't. It's it's too early, you know, if you're getting towards, you know, we're getting towards December and maybe they're still sputtering, then fine, you have a case for, you know, is this team really going to get it together, is, you know, is this just not their year, you know, whatever the case may be, that's fine, but here we're sitting on October 28th and and now they've won four or five and really look to be that upper echelon Western Conference team that we thought they were going to be, and that that's been pretty impressive to see. And now after that performance, I, I know this is going to be shocking, but Connor McDavid tied for the NHL lead with 15 points tied with, uh, David Posternock and teammate Leon Drysantel. Uh, McDavid also leads the league in eight goals just ahead of Colorado's Valerie Nashukin, who has seven, which has been also a fairly big surprise. But McDavid's just, again, unreal. Like, a couple times we saw it last year. He just weaves his way through the whole defense. And, you know, you almost don't even bat an eye anymore. Like, that game against the Rangers last year where he weaved his way through the whole defense. It's almost like your jaw just drops. But at the same time, on your other shoulder, you're like, are we really that surprised at this point? Because he's just, he's just that good. And... It's almost like, you know, equating it to, you know, in the 90s when you were watching Michael Jordan play in the NBA. You're just, 
it's just cool to be in the presence of greatness and just be able to watch that. Just be able to watch a great player go to work constantly and, you know, and you just hope he's going to get the chance to play for a Stanley Cup here in the next couple of years at some point. I mean, I, you know, obviously it would be really cool to see if that year was this year. Um, obviously that'll remain to be seen, but it's... It's been impressive out of the gate already for McDavid as and another big season appears to be in the works for him. And, you know, this was the first, I think, you know, huge game that he's had so far this year and uh, probably the first of many, I would say. And for our final segment here today, I'm going to do something that uh, I'm going to try to do. Each and every week, if we can here going forward, I'm going to try to do a best bets segment. Um, obviously, uh, for CBS Sports, I do our uh, gambling newsletter usually on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And most days during hockey season, I like to include an NHL pick uh, if I'm able to. So I'm going to try to have two or three NHL picks each week. Uh, for you guys to kind of for Friday night, um, obviously usually don't go too far out, so uh, we'll just keep it to Friday night and go from there. But the first one I like tonight is the Penguins Canucks over six and a half goals, which uh, is plus one hundred um, using odds from Caesar Sportsbook. This is probably my favorite one of the night. Um, the the over is 13 and 3 in the Penguins' last 16 games. Uh, the over is also 9 and 2 in the Penguins' last 11 games against a team with a losing record, which is Vancouver. They only have one win so far this season. Um, Penguins also averaging a league best uh, 4.29 goals this year, and they've scored six goals in uh, four of their seven games this year. Their offense has been unreal. I mean, yes, obviously you have Sidney Crosby, you have Genny Malkin, all those guys, but you can also get goals from Brian Rust and Jeff Carter, and you get the demon like Jan Ruda and, you know, all these guys. So obviously there's plenty of offensive firepower in Pittsburgh, so I obviously like their side to be able to put up at least four or five, maybe even six goals. It's very possible. And it also doesn't hurt that the Canucks are most likely starting backup goaltender Spencer Martin tonight because starting uh, netminder Thatcher Demko started last night against Seattle, second night of a back-to-back. Canucks are probably not starting him in back-to-back nights. Martin should be in net. And Martin has only started one game this year, uh, and that game against the Blue Jackets, which was back on the 18th of October... Um, he allowed four goals in a 4-3 overtime loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So just one one game, you know, allowed three goals in regulation, one in overtime. Not, you know, not amazing, not absolutely horrendous. But, you know, this offense that Pittsburgh has is just way too good. And I think it wouldn't be a surprise if they scored four or five goals and, I would think, you know, Vancouver could give us a goal or two potentially, if, especially if Pittsburgh gets up late or gets up to a 
out to a big lead early on, we're going to see, you know, we could probably see Vancouver sneak one or two in late, potentially, um, even if, you know, Tristan Jari's in net, which he should be um, here tonight. So, Pittsburgh, Canucks, over six and a half goals. You're getting some pl- positive juice at plus 100 if you bet it on Caesar Sportsbook. Um, I would assume most books are probably around the same odds. Um, the next game I like is the Winnipeg Jets, minus 155 at the Arizona Coyotes. This game is interesting because it's the first game being played at Arizona State's Mullet Arena. Yes, it is called Mullet Arena. It's been well documented with the arena deal with the Coyotes. They lost their lease with their previous arena and they're playing on Arizona State's campus. Their Arizona State's arena Sits 5,000 fans. This is an NHL hockey team playing at arena that seats 5,000 fans. But apparently there's going to be a drum line. So, yay Coyotes, I guess. But anyway, the Jets going on the road, it really doesn't matter. Because how much of a home ice advantage is this really going to be? I mean... It's it's kind of a joke. I just I feel like the only benefit from this for Coyotes is like the majority of hockey fans might tune in just to watch how ridiculous this situation is when they play home games, honestly. So, but anyway, to the actual game, Jets are 5-1 and one in their last six against a team with a losing record. Um, the Jets are coming off wins against the Blues and the Kings. Uh, two very good teams, should be playoff teams this year for sure. Um, Jets outscored both of them by a combined margin of 10-4. to four. And I just think that the Coyotes have been, they've just been bad this year. I mean... Just don't have a lot of offensive firepower at all. Um, tend to give up goals in bunches. And minus 155 odds is not, you know, not amazing. Not terrible either. Um, you know, you've... it's always tough to, I know parlays can be kind of the devil at times, but if you were to parlay like, Maybe parlay this one with one of my other picks. I think you can make a little bit more money that way. Um, That's probably the way I would go. Um, Or if you want to parlay it with, say, a college football game for Saturday that you really like, maybe a money line or something just to get you into the plus money. Um, I think that would be a good route to go as well. So, Um, But, yeah, the Arizona State Stadium situation is going to be – it's going to be intriguing, that's for sure. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to tune in briefly just to uh, see what see what it looks like, but uh, Mullet Arena should be a barrel of laughs. Um, last, I'm going to take the Colorado Avalanche at minus 125 odds against the New Jersey Devils on the road. Now, the Avalanche are going to be without, without Valari Nishukin. But that's not really enough for me to pick against the Avs in this spot. 
Um, just too much scoring depth up and down the roster for Colorado. I mean, you know, even been well documented. Obviously, Gabriel Landeskog is going to be out for a while um, without Nishukin here. It's obviously, no, it's not ideal. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's an ideal situation, and that's obviously why the odds are down at minus 125 for the Avalanche, because, yes, the Devils have been playing better, but I don't think this is a close a close matchup like the odds would, you know, obviously have you believe. Um, the Avalanche are a team, average 3.43 goals a game. Um, you know, can get scoring from a variety of areas, even without Nishukin. On the ice, I still think that they'll be able to do enough to win this one. Um, Avalanche are 36-17 and 17 over their last 53 games on the road. Um, Vitek Vanek is probably going to be in the crease tonight for the Devils. Uh, three starts this year, he's allowed eight goals. Um, that's probably a good situation for Colorado because uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, who had Kind of a rough start to the season, bounced back. He was one of the uh, NHL stars of the week last week. So I think to avoid him on the road is a pretty big win for the Avalanche. So to get Vanek is a pretty big, pretty big deal in this spot. And I really do like the Avalanche. So to recap, Penguins Canucks over six and a half goals, a plus 100 I like. I'm also taking the Winnipeg Jets, minus 155 over the Arizona Coyotes, and the Colorado Avalanche at minus 125 over the New Jersey Devils on the road. So those are my picks for today. Um, That's pretty much going to do it for this episode of Bengals Barn. Uh, I'll be back next week. We've got uh, coming down on the... you know, first couple weeks of the season being over, almost through um, the first month here, and it's it's been exciting so far. Um, you know, a lot of lot of teams have struggled that I didn't expect, and you know, um, I I wrote a column yesterday uh, on CBSSports.com if you want to check it out about the Philadelphia Flyers and how. Um, you know, they've gotten off to such a big start. They're off to a 5-2 and two start now, um, which no one really expected. But I think that they are going to come crashing down to earth just because the, the schedule coming up over the next 10 to 15 games is pretty brutal for the Flyers. They've got the likes of um, Florida Panthers, they who they did beat last night, but they have them again. Uh, They have the Bruins, they have the Calgary Flames, they have the St. Louis Blues, um, the Maple Leafs. They just have a lot of really great teams um, in both conferences that they're going to be facing. And, you know, the the schedule early on was pretty light, save for maybe the Lightning, and I think the Lightning and the Panthers, and that's really about it. Um, But John Tortorella does have them playing... I think a lot better than many people expected. So, um, like I mentioned in the piece, you know, goaltender Carter Hart playing very well for them. And, you know, that's been impressive to see because obviously he started off his career very well and then, you know, kind of fizzled out and just it's been a rough um, past two seasons for him. So it's 
it's been impressive to see him bounce back and have a nice start to this season. Um, but yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on what the Flyers do and you know everything else across the league. So, you know, as always, uh, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for um, listening to the podcast and all that. So until next time, as always, this has been Bengals Barn.